I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Hey guys. And you are listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Our second episode of express uh this year so coming off of the last couple years people have different opinions whether the country is actually divided or not is one thing but i wanted to talk about you know going through these last two years um as an architect in school we were always taught these sort of pie in the sky type concepts and one of those being like space can unify people and how do you do that I question that now. <laughs> uh, so that's one thing that kind of has come up in my mind over the last couple of years. And then the other part of that is going through all of this. How do you now, as an employer, you know, navigate unifying employees through all of this that may be divided politically and and not see eye to eye and have issues with each other, and or as you know, an individual. Uh, Uh, a sole proprietor like myself, there are people that have far exceeded the political opinion and have just said and done things that were just truly kind of heinous that Mm -hmm. I will avoid working with if at all possible. And so I just want to have kind of an open conversation like you're an employer, uh, your perspective on that. And and we can tackle this sort of organically, however, wherever you want to jump in, um, love to get your thoughts on, on this situation you weren't kidding about it being heavy um (laughs) well i think there's a couple things you're asking if i think things are divided right if there really is a major division going on well i think you just described it 
right? Mm-hmm. I think people's opinions of any topic have become so polarizing. Like there's no more discussion of, hey, here's my opinion. What's your opinion? And let's just talk about it back and forth. It's like, here's my opinion. And if you're not on board, you're a SOB or a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're, you're an idiot or whatever. And um, that's very difficult, right? Because some of the best problems are solved through discussion and different points of view. That's a whole reason why you get people together. So if they're not able to do that, it's creating a far different subset of issue, right? To where mm-hmm. I think it drives the polarity even further. Yeah. So when you go back to the idea of how do you like hire, you know, hire people, how do you get people on the same page? Can you, can you do that? I, I think the only thing employers can do at this point, and that goes for any type of business, whether the business we're in or like even, you know, my wife's business or different things that we're working on, you have to stand for what you believe is right and hopefully find like-minded people or people that are willing to have the same discussion we were just talking about, where it's like, here's an opinion, here's an opinion, let's throw it all in the mix and come out with the best deal. But it's definitely making it far more difficult to do that. There's no question. And I don't view it as somebody's job specifically to say, I need to change all of my points of view so that I can be more accepting of other people. I think it's, I need to be very straightforward in what my beliefs are so that those individuals that come to work with us as individuals understand where I stand and can decide whether they can get on board with that or not. And then ultimately, as you get to know each other, hopefully you're bringing in the right people that will have those discussions. So I think people that are being straightforward about it and open-minded, you need differing points of view. So as long as you talk about the fact that it's like, look, okay, you know, one way or another, every company has an ultimate decision maker. Mm -hmm. So everybody can weigh in on their, you know, points of view. But ultimately, that individual gets to make the decision. And you have the, the opportunity at that point to say, I can get on board with that or I can't. That's your choice, right? But it doesn't mean to need to be what I think they're trying, they are trying to create, where it's like, well, if you don't see it my way, you're an idiot and you mm-hmm. need to do, you need to change everything you're about. No, that's not the case. So I think, I think it's highly polarizing right now. I think that's media play and a lot of different things that are coming in on that. Everybody's going to have a different point of view when it comes to, comes to government. Right. Some people want bigger government. Some people don't. Some people believe in what they're doing. Some people don't. Right now, I tend to be on the struggle side with that. Right. But it's not our job to change people's opinions. I think opinions are good as long as we're willing to sit down and have a discussion and not it be name calling and finger pointing and everything else. The problem is to what you said earlier, I'm finding less and less people that are willing to do that, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's where it becomes hard from a customer perspective, from a business perspective, and honestly, like from family and friend perspective, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got family members that I just don't agree with anymore. And it makes <laughs> it hard because you're just like, no, I don't see it that way. And and I've been attacked where it's like, well, then you're an idiot. Yeah. I don't find it that way, but, you know, <laughs> but at least thank you for telling me where you stand. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I I think that is extremely frustrating. And we've had this similar conversation off mic before of it helps no one when you cross that point and go into name calling and uh, completely shut down everything and you're just like that's not productive for anybody Uh, and it's best when we can come together and have those conversations and I think it is a little bit uh, I'll push back on one thing that you mentioned, said, yeah. I think that it is the job of the leader of a company, whether whether they and not that they can't have a political opinion, but I think they have to present that they are open to hearing other conversations. 100%. And make sure that the environment 
reflects that and um, a willingness to hear both sides from the top. And uh, some things that I've read is like making space for professionals to come in if necessary to to have those conversations one-on-one or bringing two people together to talk through things if it really gets that bad. But it does come from the top of creating that environment and leading by example of saying, you know, I do believe in this, but I'm very open to having that conversation if everybody wants to talk to me about it. And, you know, um, you know, there's instances that I've heard of like through the Black Lives Matter thing where there's been um, conversations with leadership about, you know, I think not necessarily that we have to do anything outlandish, but I think you should say something about it for those employees that are dealing with a tough time right now and and having a hard time. And their employer's like, no, we don't want to talk about that. Uh, We don't want to be, you know, we don't want to represent one thing, but yet a couple months or not even months, like weeks later, they come out and say that, you know, they stand with the police officers, which is fine, but you have to be open to all these other opinions and thoughts at the same time. You can't just be one-sided or shut down anything that you don't agree with. Right. And I, and I don't know if what I said was not explained well. I agree with what you're saying. So my, my point is being people should understand what it is you stand for or what your take is on things. But at the top or in any management position, people need to be willing to hear the opinions of others. I think that's what we're trying to say, which is what I want. But ultimately, again, like I said, but there's going to be a decision one way or another. And and people need to decide if they're on board with that or not. That's it. That's that's the power of choice at that point, right? And hopefully by people stating, you know, or, or being um, direct in where they stand on matters, anybody that comes to work with them or whatever knows what they're getting into. You follow, that's yeah. more so what I'm talking about. And you may want to, you know, in your situation, when you're, when you're just a, uh, your example, you, you want to know what company you're going to go work for. You know, who are yeah. they? What do they stand for? Do they back the police? Do they not? Or you know, that's overgeneralized, but you know what I mean? Like that type of deal. And it's like, okay, well, I don't want to go for, you know, with a place that's kind of like overtly about defund the police. Right. I'm like, no, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm a back the police guy. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, and whether they state that the right way or not, my point is at least I have an idea of what they stand for and then you can look into mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, you have to, I think the scary thing is this day and age too, with the way that information has been bombarded at people um, sometimes very incorrectly, right? You and I have had mm-hmm. those discussions before. It's important to be willing to sit down and talk about things and not just take um, information we believe to be factual because of a two minute tidbit we heard versus what's really going on and how it affects other people, right? Yeah. Like they come, everybody has different backgrounds. We need to understand that from affluency to ethnic, ethnicity, to everything. And we have to understand what that looks like and realize that the way we feel isn't the only way. Um, And, but if you do the diligent job of listening and hearing what they're saying and take that into account, you can formulate an opinion and say, this is what I would like to do with that. And people can either side with you or not. You just can't be upset if they do or don't. You know what I mean? That's the difference. You know what I mean? And I think that's the big thing. And just because you you and I are on different sides of topics, but we respect where each other's coming from on it. You know what I mean? And that's okay. And so I may disagree with what you're saying. You may disagree with what I'm saying, but guess what? That's human nature. Yeah. That's, that's okay. <laughs> we can yeah. still be friends, right? Like I have the cardboard sign, right? Like we can disagree and still be friends. Yeah. But I feel like the world has become so polarized that if you disagree with somebody, it's like the end of the world, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that's why I think we're all having a difficult time 
of moving forward on topics because it's just so far, you know, to not use the right terms, so far right and so far left. It's there's no there's no gray, there's no middle. It's there's become no gray, and all of the world is gray. Yeah. Right. So, and I think you also have to be mindful of, okay, we're gonna take this step to listening to each other and having these conversations. You can't. I mean, people are gonna slip and backslide a little bit here and there, but you have to be mindful to try not to backslide. I can't tell you the number of conversations. Like, you know me, I'm willing to, and I, I kind of go out of my way to try to talk to people and share my yeah. perspective and listen yeah. to them and, yeah. and try to find some middle ground. Uh, but you have to also be mindful to not backslide and fall into these uh, traps that are very easy to of posting things uh, on social media and, and just saying things or doing things that completely go back against what the conversation that you just had in the middle ground that you kind of found. If you did truly find some middle ground and some understanding, I think we all have to step forward and say, okay, I'm not going to be as polarizing myself because I have this new perspective. I don't want to fall back into that polarizing personality. I want to continue these conversations and carry myself as if I'm listening to both sides or all sides. Yeah. I mean, and and look, that's hard to do from an emotional perspective when you feel a certain way about something that's hard to do um, because you get so charged. And that's why I think that's what they're, you know, again, quote unquote, they are playing so much as the emotions of people. So you get so fired up about one direction when you get, when you start seeing red, if you will, it's like you no longer regard anything else and you just go after that one topic. You know, I think the other thing when you talk about, you know, backsliding or whatever, and there's nothing wrong with saying I was wrong. Yeah. And I've had friends that have done that, you know, when it gets to COVID and different things like that, I have buddies that are surgeons and whatever that have like contacted me and be like, yo, here's some facts for you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And go, okay, you know what? Like I was wrong on that. And even Mm -hmm. stated, like, I'm not perfect. You know what I mean? And I still have a feeling about different things, but on that topic, like, yeah, you're totally right. You know what I mean? I was wrong there and and being willing to say that because I think the other thing is then that makes you approachable. You know what I mean? People understand. It's not like I'm, I'm not going to dig my feet in on something. I know I'm wrong, like, <laughs> yeah. but that's what a lot of people are doing. Yeah. And that's why it becomes so difficult. And it's like, you've been proven exactly the opposite of that with true data, not fact checkers with true data. Right. <laughs> and, and you look at that and it's like, dude, just say you're wrong. Like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Or even I'm sorry, you were right. Like, if you can't say I'm wrong, yeah. you know what I mean? But people are just not willing to do that for some stupid reason. And I don't know what it is. And, you know, it could be pride, it could be ego, it could be any of those things. But why? <laughs> As another out, you don't even have to say I'm right or you're wrong. Just say, that's interesting. I didn't know that. And yeah. then you have a new perspective. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing. You know what I mean? That's, like that. that's I fine. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, but you know, that's a good point. Maybe it was the baby stuff, right? But you know, (laughs) there's an unbelievable amount of freedom that comes in admitting you were wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's something that took me a lot of years to figure out, you know, granted you can't be wrong all the time because then you're just an idiot, but, (laughs) but there, but you know, so you're not perfect. Like, yeah, I was wrong on that topic or I was wrong on that answer, you know, given the new information I've received, like, look, I need to look at this differently again. That's okay. But then that will foster that communication you're talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? So people are like, oh, okay. He's not just going to yell or do whatever. He's going to legitimately take it. I mean, he even said he was wrong. Like that's, you know, that's a big thing that I think a lot of people are missing these days. And that will foster so much more communication and discussion. And for business, different points of views that maybe will help you see things you didn't see before. 
oh, that's the sure. whole point of having a team, you know. Uh, but anyway, so did we cover your topic well, or is there something else? No, that's that's good. I, I but I wanted to touch on that one part of it for our industry. Do you think, from our industry perspective, that we can shift the way people interact with each other through the way that we provide our buildings and the type of buildings that we provide? I mean, that's such a hard question. Um, For instance, I was, I was reading this article where it talked about how further removed by all these various advancements of uh, the phones and, and being able to watch TV. Now uh, we no longer have like porches and things like that, like mm -hmm. real true porches where people would hang out and see their Mm -hmm. neighbor walking by and engage Mm -hmm. and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Like, have we shifted the way that we design and build so much that we uh, embrace this inclusion and being on your own island rather than having an open community type of design, both in individual homes, our development? It's an interesting thought, especially given the times we're in right now, right? So if you think about it, I would tell you the design that's going to come out of this COVID pandemic thing is not inclusive because there's a shift to people being less together less yeah, whatever yeah. right yeah. so so it's not it's not communal yeah yeah so yeah. you know I, I think maybe the two are kind of a little bit different there but i think you can foster discussion and open communication by having bullpen type environments in an office i think you know motor courts are a good example in my opinion right when you have four or five homes around a cul-de-sac type of deal or like a drive up you know what i'm talking about yeah. Those six yeah. packs clusters mm-hmm. because you kind of have to talk to people you know what yeah. i mean but then you're still getting uh, maybe you're arguing about car space or something. I don't know, but you, you can still you can still create you can create a mini community there where it makes it harder to isolate. Yeah, um, and I think that's going to happen anyways individually because you're having to tighten up the amount of space that people are building on. Mm-hmm. So you're forcing density. Mm-hmm. You don't have a choice, right? So whether it's in townhomes or condos, or we're getting into a lot more high rises again, like we're dealing with podium builds. Like you're going to pass people in your complex. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? More than you would me in a single family home. You know what I mean? Like if I literally wanted to shell up, I can't, I've got a yeah. backyard, I've got a, whatever, like I've got everything completely sustained. I don't need anything else. Right. So I think just by design, maybe we're almost already to what you're talking about, at least here in Southern California, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or even Northern California and California in general, because you're having to tighten up the product build. Yeah. Um, now, do I think that really makes people talk to each other or is it going to, f- yeah, I don't think so. I think the people that want to talk to each other are going to do that. I got people that want to talk to me all the day long that I don't really want to talk to. Um, or the people, you know what I mean? Like you just kind of, you know, there's people that want to be, be social. There's people that don't. Yeah. And I, I would tend to believe the people that want to be social are always going to be social. Their kids are then going to be more social, you know, that kind of stuff. It's going to be bred that way innately as opposed to maybe product development. Like I said, I think it can foster more or give the opportunity for more. Mm-hmm. But when I'm in a shopping center and I see somebody, I see that if I want to stop and talk to him, I will. If I don't, mm-hmm. I'll just say, Hey, and walk by, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Um, so I don't know, but I think in a business sense, in a business environment, the open spaces, you know, that, that a lot of people were doing, um, like more cubicles, less closed offices, that kind of thing. I think yeah. that fosters more discussion and teamwork because you innately hear what's going on and people are inquisitive in general. Um, I just don't know if you can do it on the residential side as much. Hmm. Yeah. I think there's opportunities and I mentioned this in one of our, our episode on apartments. Um, 
in one of my apartments in particular, like there's this long hallway and they had these light wells, which are good and necessary, but maybe not all of those are necessary, but you create these pocket, like community pockets that people can kind of hang out and you put a TV there or something yeah. to activate that space. Yeah. And I think those social people will hang out there and it can be infectious of every day you walk by to go to your unit and that same person's like, hey, you're eventually going to engage and uh, they're going to wear you down and you'll engage totally and fair. start talking and it'll totally it'll fair. invite more and more people in. So I think if we look at it as creating those opportunities, it'll start to you know, foster some of that. Yeah. Like I said, I think you can encourage it. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and, or foster it or however you want to say that. Um, and that's a perfect example. You, you're yeah. right. People don't want to be left out, right? FOMO. So <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> they're probably going to stop every so often. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. I think we generally agree on this whole topic of their ways to break down this division and move forward together, but it is going to be hard work. <laughs> I, I hope so, man. Cause the direction we're going isn't the best. Yeah. So I, I, I think uh, something needs to change for sure. Yeah. Thanks for the conversation, Jason. Always fun. We'll see you again on Thursday. Talk soon. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-Media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, 
shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK, the three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.